Today we're going to look at the importance of wisdom, wisdom, and we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. So Proverbs 1, now Proverbs was written by Solomon. Most of the Proverbs were written by Solomon. A few of them uh, were written by some other people, but uh, Solomon writes here in verse 20 of Proverbs 1, wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. And may the Lord bless his word uh, as we have it read into our hearts today. Uh, I really was struck by this part of chapter one for Proverbs. Obviously, Proverbs is a, a, a collection of sayings that have within themselves certain truths and lessons. These lessons come from uh, a good observer. Uh, one thing about Solomon that was his excellence. Now Solomon didn't do everything right. He wasn't as good, I think, as his father David, but he wasn't totally evil either. He had good parts. And one of the things he did well was when he was young, when God spoke to him in a dream, God said, what do you want, Solomon? You can have whatever you want. Now, I can guarantee you what most people would ask for, that, well, they might ask for one of three things. They might ask for a lot of money, they might ask for good health or long life, or they might ask for the, the death of their enemies, you know, all the, the problems to be gone away. But he didn't ask for any of those things. He asked for wisdom. He didn't know how to rule, so he said, I need to know how to rule, so I need wisdom. And God was impressed with Solomon so much that he said, because you didn't ask for these other things, but you asked for wisdom, I'm gonna give you wisdom, but I'm also gonna give you these other things too, which was both good and bad, I guess, because uh, he learned through the hard lessons of life, of experience, both good and bad, because having that much wealth, he was the richest man in the world, having that many possessions and ultimately having so many projects that he succeeded in and knowledge, he also realized uh, that his 
focus began to be focused on things and not God. And when he had all these wives, which was a big mistake, uh, his father had more than a dozen wives. That's not, that's a lot. Solomon outdid him tenfold nearly. I mean, it's crazy how many wives he had, close to a thousand. These were oftentimes political alliances he made with neighboring countries that were broke and they needed his financing. They needed his help and they all paid him and they paid him tribute. And I think we figured out one day that he had enough gold as an annual revenue to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars personally coming into his pockets. Uh, that's pretty good. I'll just take one of those millions, you know, it'd be fine. But no, he had hundreds of millions coming in every day. I mean, every week. No, every year. Sorry, I don't want to exaggerate. But every year, that was money coming in, in gold, hard currency. So Solomon, he began to be distracted. And as he got older, he became more frustrated. But he did learn about how life operates. And he wrote down lessons. And so it's a very important thing. I, I would even give you a good trick. Now, it's not really a trick, but it's a good scheme to figure out how to read the book of Proverbs. There's, I think, 31 chapters or 30. I can't always get dyslexic on the issue of numbers. But when it comes to there's one chapter per day. So if this is the 17th day of the month, then you could go to Proverbs 17 and read that chapter this day. And you could read 18 tomorrow and you can get caught up at any time. It's not like Proverbs starts with a story and, and, and a beginning and an end. You can pick it up at any place. Another good helpful thing when you study the book of Proverbs is to read it in different translations because then you'll pick up different facets different perspectives that will help you learn something new because the Bible's rich and it's amazing. So now I picked up here in this lesson, we're learning about the value of wisdom. Now Solomon personifies wisdom as a woman who is announcing something helpful. So I'm sure he's thinking about some business ladies who were uh, in, worked in the, the town or city of Jerusalem who would call out and say, here, if you want my wares, if you want what you need, there were lots of salespeople selling on the streets. <clears throat> and there were many businesswomen. Uh, we learn about the virtuous woman at the end of the book of Proverbs. And one of the things about her life was, is she was very good at business. She was very good at a lot of things. So uh, we have this picture of a woman calling out everywhere. And I think that's our first lesson about wisdom, is that wisdom is readily available and actively trying to get our attention. And I want you to think about that for a moment. In a world where there are so many foolish people, in a world where there's so many people that are following their own ways and making mistakes left and right and stumbling and bumbling and crashing, it is in the book of Proverbs that we learn that wisdom is readily available and actively seeking our attention. Now, that's hard to believe. I mean, you would think that something that's that obvious would be uh, taken in and, and bought by the people. But there is a problem with the world is that we have people who are foolish, who despite all the the open advertising that God does 
through advertising wisdom. And despite the convenience of wisdom being right at their feet, people neglect it nonetheless. Now, if you do not believe that wisdom is easily available, just remember what the Bible says about wisdom. It says that if you lack wisdom, ask God for it. So if you ask God for it, he wants to give it to you. Uh, in the book of James, he said, when you ask, however, you need to believe that you're going to get it. You can't be wishy-washy saying, I hope he's going to give me wisdom, like God's going to hold back something good from you. No, he wants you to ask for wisdom, but he also wants you to believe that you're going to get it. Now, if you read what I have just read, you realize that wisdom is calling aloud. So it's something you can see, something that you can experience in your life. And what I said earlier about wisdom is that Solomon was a good observer of human nature which means he saw people acting wise and he saw people acting foolishly. He saw himself acting wisely. He saw himself acting foolishly. So by looking at his life and others' lives, you will see uh, the book of, of this world of experience. You'll read it. If you read it truthfully and honestly, it's gonna be clear. This is wise and this is foolish. Now. Uh, the, the way you should understand wisdom is this. Look at your life and say, what are your regrets? What, where are your failures? Because it's easy to see that if you're in a pinch and things are not going well and you don't have peace, then you've got a failure. There's something not right. And that failure, you need to analyze that failure. God's teaching you a lesson there. There's something good about observing your own failures and the failures of other people by looking at failure or looking at success. What brought you peace in the last year? What did you do well that you don't regret and in fact would recommend for other people? By looking at the, the true living conditions of yourself and others, you can determine positively and negatively those things that affected you and those decisions that made those positive and negative effects. You and I need to realize that it's readily available. Who better to judge your experience than you? You can do it. And so that's why wisdom's crying out and making it readily available for everyone. We all have successes but more often than not, we might have failures, but we should be conscious of those because God wants to teach us a lesson in wisdom. So wisdom is not something that you have to necessarily go to school to get or climb some mountain to get to some pinnacle where you're above everyone else. Wisdom is simple and ready for everyone if you're willing to learn the lesson. So. First, honestly assess your life. Look at what you've done. Look at your failures. Look at your successes and say, oh, how can I avoid the, the, the situation that I don't like and I know is not right for me? And how can I get the situation that is good for me? And if you see other people doing well, ask them, how did you do well? It doesn't hurt. By asking them, they'll give you wisdom too.
in the abundance of counselors is much wisdom, the Bible says. So wisdom is actually God's tool to help us in the world if we just get it. And we have to have our eyes open and be honest with ourselves about ourselves and about other people. Uh, otherwise, you're going to end up in a bad group of people who are uh, the people who don't get wisdom. Now, that's the first part. The second part I want you to look at is the foolish people and the simple ones in verse 22. He says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? Now, a simple one is someone who's living a life almost like a, everything's a dream, like everything's going to be easy. It's, it's sort of like people who are young who think magically everything's going to work out. I don't like saying things to people when I hear people say, oh, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be whatever it's going to be. Uh, because I see young people say they're going to do all these things. Now, the truth is very few of them are going to get to the high rung of the ladder because it is hard. <laughs> it's not easy. It's kind of like people go into the military thinking they're going to be in the Green Berets or, or Navy SEALs. Oh, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. Really? Okay, that's kind of hard to get there, but yeah, I guess you might try it. Or people want to be in the NBA. I'm going to be in the NBA. They only add like 40-something people a year to the NBA. And there's how many millions of children, young people trying to get in the NBA every year. Very few people make it. The point of the matter is, is that there are narrow situations for trying to get uh, what you want. It's very hard. Very hard to reach those pinnacles of success. And simple-minded people, though, think it's just around the corner. It's just, you know, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen like some sort of magic. And, and, and simple-minded simple people, in this case, are not living wisely. They're not being honest about themselves. They're not being honest about the situation. They're not being honest. And there's no shame if you don't make it in the NBA, by the way. If you don't make it in the professional sports ranks, you are not a failure. You hear what I'm saying? You, your life is not a failure if you do not have the executive position of a Fortune 500 company. Your life is not a failure if you don't have money in your bank. Your life is not a failure because you are not to be compared with anyone else. You are to be compared with what God wants for you. And that's a wise statement. But we don't think that way. So if we're holding on to the dream world that things are just going to magically happen, I'm going to win the, the sweepstakes, uh, 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 my rich uncle's going to die, and I'm going to have all this money, well, that is not, that's a dream world. That, that happens to some people. Some people do this, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. So our hope doesn't need to be in chance. Our hope needs to be in the Lord who gives us a sure security. So don't be a dreamer. Don't just think, oh, everything's just going to happen. Believe me, it isn't easy for everything to happen. I think everyone fails in life, but that itself teaches us lessons. Now, he mentions the simple ones, but there's two other people he mentions in verse 22. For scorners delight in their scorning. Now, this is a worse group. The scorner is a person 
who actively ridicules people who believe in God. They actively ridicule anything to do with God. They hate God. They are haters indeed. They hate God. They probably secretly hate themselves. They're not happy people. There are many people in the news media and in popular culture today that are scorners. They have nothing good to say about God, Christianity, the Lord, uh, or about what he can do for them. They, they've created their own reality and they believe that they can define themselves. It's very sad. Scorners, when you confront a scorner, they will treat you with the worst language and they are hateful people. And not only that, but the scorners love it. They love tearing people down. I, I used to watch years ago these investigative reports. I guess the first investigative reporting shows were in like the 1970s on television. And it was very popular to watch these shows where the reporter investigative investigates somebody else. And uh, it reminds me, uh, Andy Wise, who is a reporter on the local uh, TV in Memphis, uh, there was a guy who was a professional wrestler and they were at, a, a, at some public place where they were in line. And you know, Andy Wise had, did a lot of investigative reports. I'd say he'd made some people mad in his life, don't you? Uh, if you are out to ruin people's business or you hurt somebody and you hurt their business, you could imagine people would be out to get you. So this big, big guy, uh, uh, Ken, Ken Hines told me this story. He said this big guy who was a professional wrestler was in line behind him, recognized as Andy Wise. So he, 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 he said to, he tapped him on the shoulder. He's looking down at him. He says, Andy Wise. And uh, he looked up at that big old guy and he didn't know who he was and what he was doing, but he got out of line. <laughs> so, uh, I think our world has many scorners and many people who are trying to trip everybody else up and they delight in doing it. And I'm not saying Andy Wise does, but it is certainly true that our society does. Uh, the third group here, he says, are fools. These are people that are just, there's no hope for them almost because they hate knowledge. They, they close their ears up when you try to tell them the truth. They literally are deliberately blind to the truth. They think they know it all, so you can't tell them anything, so they're foolish. And a fool is not a person you want to be. Fools hate knowledge. This is the, a biblical position. And while Jesus warned, don't call somebody a fool out of hatred, it is also the Lord Jesus who called people fools who he was simply describing them. So you can describe people as foolish and you can recognize fools but you don't need to be hateful and insult people to call them a fool. So God has a, 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 he wants us to avoid the foolish people. There was a barber one day who, well, not one day, over a series of weeks, he noticed that he talked to his, his uh, it was a little boy who would always come in and uh, he, he talked to the guys he was cutting their hair and he says to the one day, he says, you see that boy out there? And the guy in the chair said, yeah. He says, that's the most foolish young man you can ever see. Well, how do you know this? He says, well, let me show you what he does. So he says, young man, come in here. The young man came in there. He says, I've got a dollar here, dollar bill, and I've got two quarters. You can have one or the other. The little boy took the two quarters. He went out, 
And, and, you, and that man said, see, I told you, every week he does the same thing and he doesn't take the dollar. He, then the barber sees the little boy one day out on the street. He had just come out of the ice cream shop, had a big old cone. This is when ice cream could be bought for 50 cents. You can't do it today, but he did this. And, and he says, well, what are you doing with the ice cream? He says, I just took those two quarters and bought me ice cream. He says, well, wh why in the world do you do that when you can take the dollar? He says, hey, if I take the dollar, the game is over. <laughs> How foolish was the boy, you know? He was actually wise because he realized that by taking less over a long period of time, he was getting more because he wouldn't have been able to get it after that. Being foolish is not what God wants us to be. He wants us to be wise people. Uh, and then that's because we need to make sure that we're doing what's right. If you don't think right, you won't live right. And if you don't live right, you won't be right in the end and you won't feel right either. So it's very important to make sure to listen to what God has to say. So in verse 23, here's what God says to the foolish people. He says, turn at my rebuke. When you, when you make those mistakes, and you will, and I have, and you do, you need to turn, you need to change. Do Be serious about changing what you're doing. If you change what you're doing, when you see you're being rebuked by wisdom, wisdom is trying to get your attention. And he says, surely I will pour out my spirit on you. He, he, he is not going to leave you in a failed position. He's going to help you. He's going to, if you're willing to change, he's willing to help. I will make my words known to you. If you don't know what to do, don't worry. He will help you. Wisdom will come by and help you. But what about the people who don't listen? Those people are, are sad. In verse 24, because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. You see, the people who refuse to get wisdom, even after they've gone through and stumbled and they failed and they keep failing, they don't listen. So those negative consequences are not having any effect so then wisdom says, I'm going to wash my hands of them. They're going to have to learn. They're going to get what they want and they're not going to be happy. They will fail miserably. And that's the society today. And that's a, the world. It's a place where so many people, they wonder why things are bad. Why is it that relationships are not like they used to be? Why is it that our communities are not communities anymore? Why is it that people don't have the same respect for one another? It's because people have turned away from wisdom. They, they see the negatives that are going on in our neighborhoods and cities, but they don't listen to why those things are happening. And God wants us to remember that there's a reason why bad things happen. They're not just arbitrary. There are reasons for the negative things. And oftentimes, we're foolish enough to keep paying for it ourselves because we just have our head in the sand 
and we're being foolish. So God wants us to not be simple-minded. He doesn't want us to be scorners and doesn't want us to be fools. But if we are not gonna repent, look at what verse number 32 says, the turning away of the simple will slay them. They're just gonna keep on ignoring wisdom. It will have a very bad end for them. And I do mean a very bad end. And he says, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So if they're satisfied with being foolish, they will be ultimately destroyed. But in verse 33, there is this great positive proverb. But whoever listens to me, remember wisdom is the one talking here, will dwell safely. How many people in life want to live insecurely? I think most people want to be safe. Obviously, if we are going to be wise, then we'll have safety and we'll be secure without fear of evil. So listening to wisdom gives you the security you need and ignoring the warning signs that wisdom always displays and makes available to us is not right. So God wants us to be wise by paying attention to negatives in our lives, paying attention to those things that are going wrong, pay attention to those things that are going right, keep going in the direction that's right, move away from the direction that's going wrong. That means a good sense of accountability in your life, in your, in your heart, and in your, to yourself and to the Lord, because God wants us to do this. Now, Jesus had something to say about wisdom. He says a wise man is like a man who builds his life, uh, his life upon a rock. You know, fools build their, their foundation on sand. You build a house on the sand, it could be the best house in the world. But if it's just built on sand, it's not going to last. The, 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 the winds, the rain, the storms will bash away the house if it's only built on sand. And there's no solid foundation. But if you do what Jesus said, if you obey him, the Bible says you're like a person who built their life on the rock, on the rock. And the storms are going to still come and hit you, but you're going to survive it. You're going to be anchored and you're going to have to be solid through the worst parts of life. And that's from the Lord himself. He wanted us to be like the wise builder. He wants us to be wise in our lives. Obey the Lord and be honest with him about ourselves and be humble with other people. Pride, I think, is the biggest stumbling block for the fool. They know it all. They can never be taught because they already know what's best. But a humble person doesn't claim to know it all. And that's why in the ancient world, Socrates was considered the smartest man. Not because he bragged about being smart, but because he said, I don't really know anything. And he realized how much he didn't know. And he had a very good estimation of his own ignorance. And that word ignorant is a word often used to insult people, but it's really descriptive, means we don't know something. And there's nothing wrong if you're ignorant, but God wants you to learn by listening to wisdom. And you'll learn, you won't be ignorant forever. You'll be able to be knowledgeable in a godly way. Solomon, despite all his knowledge and wisdom, 
He did make mistakes. And a lot of the things he wrote about, I think, came directly from his being foolish. But fortunately, God inspired him to write these things down and to give us a good plan of action. So I encourage you uh, as a Christian to especially read the book of Proverbs, obey what it says, and learn how to avoid the mistakes of other people. Uh, there are three types of people. There are people who make mistakes and never learn from them. There are people who make mistakes that they make themselves and they learn from them. That's good. And then there are people who avoid mistakes because they learn from other people's mistakes. That's even better. Learn from other people's mistakes. Don't repeat the mistakes of Solomon. Don't repeat the mistakes of the people in the Bible, but rather follow the Lord because he gave us life and he died on a cross for our sins. He lived a perfect life. And if we are Christians because we've accepted him and believe in his resurrection from the dead, that will live forever. So we don't have to accomplish eternal life. That burden's not on us. But we do need to accomplish a wise life, a life well-lived because of our eternal salvation. And that starts with wisdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day and the words you've given to uh, us in the Bible. We thank you for the book of Proverbs and for Solomon who wrote them, or at least most of them, and all who wrote the Proverbs in the Bible. We thank you for giving us life. and We pray for you to help us to be wise people so we will do as it says here, that we will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. We pray this in Jesus' name and amen.